0: Welcome to Leadership Beyond the Trenches. I'm your host, Anne Reifenstein, And in this episode, we're going to talk about what is a successful or an effective leader at the organizational or institutional level. It's not just enough to be recognized by outsiders as a leader or within an organization as the senior leaders, but in fact, you need to understand what underpins that success. How do we analyze it? How do we want to look at it? So in this episode we're going to talk about leadership theory, we're going to talk about how to frame from a sociological point of view, we're going to hear from a Canadian Armed Forces senior officer and his view of what is satisfying or what is success as an institutional leader. I hope you'll join us for this episode of Leadership Beyond the Trenches. We're going to start with doing a quick overview of the history or the evolution of the study of leadership, Uh, its origins in the great man theory and the um, theories that are really underpinning a lot of the military doctrine on leadership now. Um, leadership theory has been taken a look at since the turn of the last century, and it started off with the Great Man theory. And that's basically a study of great historical leaders. Now, a subset of this is the warrior leader theory, where great military leaders are singled out to determine what made them great. You know, so you have Alexander the Great, Napoleon, you know, you have... Zukov, you have all sorts of different peoples that you take a look at different leaders. And you say, Okay, well, what made them a great warrior leader? Or what made them a great leader? So Lincoln, other people who inspired others to do great things. So the great man theory was very popular for a number of years. But after a while, people started taking a look at what traits do these have. So a fallout of the great man theory is, okay, so what's the commonality? What are the traits that great leaders have in common? What do they have that can be identified in others so we can identify leaders or potential great leaders? Out of the trait theory then followed the behavioral theories. So behavioral theories are more focused on the outcome of what leaders did vice who they were or what they were. So this gets into a directive versus a participative style of leadership, you know, structure versus consideration. So when we talk about behavioral theories, we're looking at situational leadership where leaders emerge based on the situation or the circumstances. And so there's a balance between the task and the relationship. There's four different elements of the situational leadership. That's basically leaders are telling or selling, they are participating or they are delegating. And there's, you know, like all great theories. It's got a marvelous little quad chart with each of these in the sections. And if you're curious on that one, I suggest you go look it up. It's, it's an easy Google situational leadership, you know, four aspects also coming out of the situational leadership model is path goal theory. And that's where you have a leader, a follower, and the nature of the situation and path goal leadership theory was quite um, popular for quite a while out of that came in the 70s and 80s came more of a discussion of transformational transactional and laissez-faire leadership and you'll see this in the canadian armed forces leadership doctrine and a number of other doctrines as well i believe it's in the u.s army doctrine and in the air force uh, u.s air force leadership this is called the full range leadership model And this goes from transformational with the four I's. And the four I's are individual consideration, intellectual stimulation, inspirational motivation, and idealized influence. And those are the things that great transformational leaders do. Then you have your transactional leaders, and that's basically leading through contingency-based rewards. And then you have your laissez-faire leadership. So leadership that's not really active, Uh, and just kind of lets things go. There are two subsets that are very popular in the leadership um, publications and documentations right now. The first is servant leadership. And you see a lot of this coming up in terms of um, servant leaders being humble, humility of the leader. Um, The idea here is to engage the employees so they provide better client care services clients don't come first i.e you take care of your employees first and if you take care of your employees they will take care of their clients and the idea here is you put your people first uh, above all other considerations that's got a very popular um, following and there's quite a bit of documentation on that the next uh, more popular leadership theory or subset of leadership theory is called authentic leadership and that is, uh, and sometimes known as authentic transformational leadership. And this talks about leaders having self-awareness, relational transparency. So the leader's thoughts, beliefs, and emotions are open and transparent to their followers. Balanced processing, which means that they're open to outside views, which challenge the leader's perspectives. And then finally, their moral perspective is their internal values and beliefs are integrated to their moral views and how they are presenting themselves on a moral platform or on a moral perspective. So there are many more theories out there, but we're going to stop right there in terms of the overview. We could go on and on. But for the purposes of this podcast, we're just going to leave it at that point. Now, what do we do with that theory? Well, the theory helps us have a better understanding of why some leaders are successful in some areas and why they aren't successful in others, perhaps. The other thing we can take a look at is we can examine that with a perspective of how does that translate into military doctrine. And the military doctrine talks a lot about leadership theory. And so we need just to connect those dots a bit. So to connect the dots between leadership theory and the Canadian Armed Forces Leadership Doctrine, there's the Manual Conceptual Foundations uh, put out by the Canadian Armed Forces. And what it does is it basically illustrates the connections and where these leadership theories feed into what the expectations are for Canadian Armed Forces leaders. First and foremost is the idea of requisite capability. That kind of underpins everything. And what requisite capability is, is that the idea of what capability we're going to need or the Canadian Armed Forces is going to need in order to um, meet the needs of of Canada in the future. And that's not just the underpinnings of strategic planning, but it's also the underpinnings of strategic leadership. This is because it basically indicates that the leader how it describes how the leader functions within the organization how the organization functions within the environment it's operating in in order to produce that requisite capability so there's that direct linkage between how the leader acts in order to get how the organization is going to act in order to produce that requisite capability. So there are four ways that their institutional leaders um, do this according to the doctrine and that is they adapt to the external environment through strategic forecasting and planning. They influence the external environment through direct advice, partnerships and cooperative arrangements. They align across the organization the systems and the subsystems through communication of strategic intent, vision policy, controls of activity, resources and performance measurement frameworks. And then finally, they exercise professional development to foster strong organizational values and culture. Now, we're going to talk about a lot of these different things. And we're going to talk I'm going to talk a little bit later on in the podcast about what they mean when they say systems. Another really important thing to take on board is they have this great table in Conceptual Foundations that actually outlines the difference between functions at leading the people and leading the institution and what the differences are that. So um, if you take a look at Table 4-1, you'll see that you have a really good listing of a representative tasks in terms of how to achieve leader effectiveness in both leading the people your more direct leadership and leading the institution your more indirect leadership under the effectiveness domains when you look at these effectiveness dimensions you have five different categories five different buckets that they've basically grouped effective leadership under and that bucket is mission success internal integration member well-being and commitment, external adaptability, and military ethos. The doctrine states that essentially you function within these five areas, both when you're leading the people and leading the institution. And it's important to ensure that you are acting within these five areas in order to be an effective leader. So they connect them and you'll see them connected to some of the leadership theories. For example, leadership at the institution has a lot of similar characteristics to transformational leadership as described by the North House, who's one of the senior thinkers in leadership theory or one of the most influential. Other military's doctrines reflect similar types of concepts and ideas, and I'd encourage you to compare both the Canadian with the U.S. and with other nations' leadership doctrines. Up to this point we have discussed leadership, looking at it from an individual perspective. It is founded primarily in academia, in the area of psychology or organizational behavior. It focuses primarily on what the individual either accomplishes or does, or examining the individual themselves with their traits or skills. Dr. Eric Willett, from the Canadian Forces College wrote an article in the Canadian Military Journal that looked at military leadership from a sociological perspective. And that I found really resonated um, in this instance, because central to the understanding of leadership is that it is essentially a social function. It is something that takes into account that it is about relationships between people. And so in his article, he talks about two things. He talks about the relationship of meaning. Annie also talks about leadership as part of the symbolic order. And I think that really resonates from a military perspective because we see relationships of meaning that develop between people, either not necessarily under a formal designation such as OPCOM or OPCON, you know, where we designate what that relationship in, will entail, but in fact, we take a look at it from the perspective. That the relationship between people within the organization, in fact, is what forges the difference in terms of creating strong institutional or strong organizational leaders. This relationship is illustrated in a whole bunch of different ways. But I think General Smith, during our conversation that we had when we were talking about what is the most satisfying thing you can do as a leader, I think he really highlights the importance of relationships of meaning. Here is a part of my conversation with Brigadier General Greg Smith, who is just departing from the position of Assistant Chief of Staff, J5 Plans, Supreme Headquarters, Allied Powers Europe, basically the Chief Planner for NATO.
1: Why don't I talk about that for a second? What's the most satisfying aspect of your role as a leader? the, the thing I always thought about with that is that's when you see your subordinates advance. Um, when you when you see somebody go on to greatness so to speak you can kind of once again just say well at least I didn't slow them down. You know, they they were a person that was clearly going to do good things and I, I've been in my own small way helped them to do that and again just coming out of a, a NATO position uh, I was very very proud to see a couple of my people Um, Go off to command and I always told them because it was a place of a lot of hard work Like don't forget you are going to be punished for all your hard work here. Uh, The nation send hard hard hardworking, smart people to J5. That's where planners go um, And you're gonna be punished for all this good work And I was very happy to see a few of them getting punished for their hard work Going off to command because I was like that is exactly what I I was hoping they would get Uh, and equally I was also also very very happy that I was able to get a bunch of commendations or awards for several of my people. Um, And again, not me, if they hadn't done their great work, I wouldn't be able to write it up. And Fortunately, I have somewhat of a capability in English and just simply write up and say, this is the awesomeness that they did. Um, Here, they deserve something. More often than not, they got it. It Just because they sold themselves by their accomplishments. Um, And I think the last one, and I get the cool quote of this, is basically, credibility buys access. Um, I was very happy as I did my handover and went up to NATO headquarters up in Brussels and I was really hoping to get into a couple of offices to say this is an important person you should just know who they are Um, and access was granted because basically the team I led had pushed a lot of very important things forward and there was a bunch of people important people up in Brussels that were very happy to sit and meet my successor and I was able to say listen um, this is an important person you're going to see them on the VTC or in different very important meetings and this is who they are and please work with them and uh, I, I think again that was just I was I was very that was success to me I was I was really happy to see a my my uh, subordinates move on and get be more awesome and I I hope I see them in NATO someday but equally um, just the idea that you could kind of pave, pave the road for your successor a little bit more rather than your successor kind of falling into the hole you dug for them they were standing on your shoulders ready ready to go to the next level
0: i think General Smith's comments really illustrate the importance of the relationships of meaning um, and putting those aspects into place. It's really illustrative of a number of different things that we've discussed. It would be interesting to have that discussion of how you you would categorize his comments under the types of leadership theories that we discussed. Is this servant leadership? Is this authentic leadership? Is this transformational leadership? Is it transactional leadership? It may be aspects of all of these things where you can peg all these holes, but I think it's important to take a look and think about how General Smith defined that success and how the relationships that he developed, both with his counterparts in Brussels headquarters and also with his subordinates, really assisted in developing a strong organizational leadership presence. If you want to listen to more of my conversation with breeder general Greg Smith, it will be posted in its entirety up on the podcast as in as a bonus feature. It would be fair if you came to the conclusion by this point in the podcast that if you have experiencing leading teams and leading organizations, smaller organizations, you sit there and think to yourself, what she's talking about really isn't all that different from what I already do. And I would say, yep, you're right. All the things, all the good things that you've done to be a successful leader up until this point, all still apply. It's not a different skill set. But what it is and how you apply it is a Bit different when you're taking a look at the organizational or institutional level of leadership. You need to retain and exercise all those good skills that you've already gained as a leader, but then you need to move it beyond and you need to take a look at it from a systemic perspective. How do my decisions, how does my leadership tend to impact not just those who I come in direct contact with, but indirect? How does policy ripple through? and impact those it's one of those things where you always think those up top don't really understand what the people at the bottom level are actually doing well that's because perhaps maybe they haven't taken a full consideration of the ripple impact of their policies and they made sense within the context they were looking at them but they didn't take into perspective take the system's perspective into account. And that's probably one of the most important things is to understand the systems perspective. And that's essentially, how do all of these different aspects interlock? How do they complement each other in order to better understand when you're making decisions, and when you're trying to make changes, how those changes will actually be executed, not just the first level away, but the second, third, and fourth order of effects. We're going to be tackling how to take these types of things into consideration and understand how things interrelate when we take a look at organizational culture, national culture, and how culture impacts the function of organizations and how they interrelate. I hope you'll join us for the next episode of Leadership Beyond the Trenches. Many thanks to Brigadier General Greg Smith for taking the time to have a great conversation with me talking about leadership. It was really enlightening and I learned a lot. Um, I encourage you to listen to the whole conversation that is also posted as a bonus episode on our podcast. Leadership Beyond the Trenches is hosted and produced by Anne Reifenstein and is a production of Reifenstein ETCS. Music for this production has been provided by Mikhail Hellman and Alexander Nakoranda under Creative Commons licensing.